Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash boost by tax day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Welcome to the 5 o'clock show. It's time for Common Sense. Now, it's Cats and Cosby with John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Standing for truth, justice, and the American way. Bringing common sense to the world. Now, here's John Katsimatidis and Rita Cosby. Well, we're back. This is John Katsimatidis, and we got, oh, my God, we got breaking news for you today. Uh, in the studio, we have some very powerful people. We got uh, uh, Judge Richard Weinberg. Governor Pataki, welcome to here. There you go. Bravo. Stephen Moore. Best governor well, that you had in New York in a long, long, long time. And, and Stephen Moore, <laughs> I heard you have you have some revelations for us I today. Do. And Congressman King, welcome. Great to be here, John. And I understand uh, we have some breaking news. Breaking news. WABC. And joining us now with some big breaking news is John Solomon, the founder of Just the News. John, tell us about this supervisory IRS agent. Yeah, for the last few years, we've all had the question, why can't the Justice Department tell us what they're going to do in the Hunter Biden case? It started in 2018. They had the laptop in 2019. Hunter Biden acknowledged he was under investigation in 2020. 2022, he even pays $2 million in back taxes. Nothing done by the Justice Department. Today, we have that answer. We just learned a few minutes ago that a senior supervisory IRS agent who has been leading uh, a major part of the tax case against Hunter Biden, has received whistleblower status with the Justice Department Inspector General. He has now reached out to his lawyer to Congress, and he says that the investigation of Hunter Biden has been infected, at his lawyer's term, uh, with preferential treatment in politics, in which appointees of Joe Biden inside the Justice Department have specifically blocked criminal tax charges against Hunter Biden. Explosive information... The letter went to multiple Democrat House committee chairmen, so Republicans in the House, Democrats in the Senate. Uh, this is an agent with enormous uh, background, uh, big, brought some of the biggest cases in IRS history, including some of the Swiss bank tax evasion cases. So he's a very decorated agent. And he's now saying there's political funny business going on in the Hunter Biden investigation. Oh, my God. I mean, I'm glad somebody had the courage to stand up. I, I'm the guy that's been saying that uh, our yeah. FBI director should stand up and say, you know, enough is enough. This is what's going on. You want to fire me? Fire me. But somebody needs the courage to stand up. Yeah. Yeah. There's no doubt about it. This is a big moment. Uh, there's another very important implication to this. Just a month ago, before the United States Senate, Attorney General Gar- Merrick Garland testified before Grassley, Senator Grassley, who repeatedly asked the question, are you sure, Mr. Attorney General, that no one, none of your political appointees are blocking this U.S. Attorney Weiss, the Trump holder who's been leading the Hunter case? Are you sure that if he wanted to bring a case in another district, which is the issue here that the IRS is alleging, that he has the authority, and the Attorney General said flatly, he has the authority to bring the case anywhere he uh, wants. The whistleblower specifically states in his letter to Congress that testimony is false. It is contradicted by what he eyewitnessed 
as a leading investigator in the case. So could he maybe have lied under oath? I mean, could we have now the attorney general? The attorney general lied under oath. My God, is that possible? We'll have to see. Obviously, right now it's a he said, she said, right? There's an IRS agent. There's a, a, the attorney general. We'll see. It's possible the attorney general wasn't read in on what's going on. But this has significant implications um, for the Biden White House, for the Biden reelection, for the Justice Department. And once again, a fresh anecdote with a credible witness raising that dual system, dual system of justice that, John, you and Rita and I, we talk about all the time. Every day we get fresh examples of liberals being treated one way and conservatives being treated another. All Americans have to be equal. Absolutely. And John Solomon, I want to ask you before we let you go, other than this other explosive stuff that's come out from James Comer, of course, on the House committee in the last yeah. uh, day or so, he now has activity reports. He's been going to the Treasury right. Department showing, what is it, that's like right. six more Biden family members bringing the total to nine. Talk about just what it looks like with the Hunter Biden money. Yeah, so these are the suspicious activity reports I first reported on in the summer of 2020. Then Ron Johnson, Chuck Grassley looked at them. Now James Comer's looking at them. What you see are millions of dollars flowing into LLC accounts, limited liability corporation accounts associated with Hunter Biden as partners, and then they're divvied up to Biden family members. That is the routine that we first identified in 2019 and 2020 when I was working at the Elm. It continues to get more clear, more pronounced. Does the word uh, RICO was- come into any of these? We'll have to see, right? First off, were the transactions illegal? What was the purpose of the transactions? So much time was delayed on this because of the fake letter that was put out. They're saying the Hunter Biden laptop's not true. Uh, the whole Ukraine stuff was conspiracy theories. It scared off a lot of investigation that delayed us getting to the answer. James Comer, Jim Jordan, they're now doing the groundwork that creates an important investigation. When we see what these transactions were for and where they went and did people who got the money really earn it, or is it a gift? That will give us some insights into whether there's a racketeering or some other form of investigation. The lawmakers who came out of that most recent Treasury Department review yep. said they were floored by the size of the money and where it was coming. Wow. Well, John Solomon. By the way, is there any family member who didn't get money? John Solomon, thank you. <laughs> they should so. There were nine Biden family members. So thank that's you. News to me. Thank you so much, John Solomon. And we'll catch up with you again real soon. Thank, thank you for the breaking you. news. Bye, guys. Wow. Wow. Well, Governor Pataki, what's your reaction to that? That's explosive. I'll tell you, this is very explosive. And I have thought from the beginning when this came out about Hunter Biden that Joe Biden's not going to be able to run for reelection. Now that the Republicans control the House, they subpoenaed the bank records and nine members of the Biden family have gotten these large amounts of funds from overseas sources with no justification. And I think this is the biggest financial scandal in American uh, presidential history. It crosses RICO. It crosses it with traitor. It, it, the word traitor and RICO. Uh, absolutely. And, close it, by. and it makes you wonder whether or not Biden's compromised in dealing with China. Why didn't he shut down that sp- spy balloon that was uh, going over our military institutions? Is he compromised? But there's another scandal here. And that is the fact that the mainstream media ignores this. You look what they did to Donald Trump Jr. They look how they wrote massive articles about every possible allegation. Here it's not allegations. The bank records show this money was put in their accounts. And it should be on the front page of every newspaper. It should be at the top of every TV news show. I'm not holding my breath. Well, Judge Weinberg, you you look like you want to chime in. I'm just absolutely flabbergasted that the Attorney General of the United States formerly a very distinguished chief judge, United States Court of Appeals, the District of Columbia, is allowing this to happen. 
It's absolutely reprehensible. If I were Judge Garland, I would be fighting to save my reputation and bring the Department of Justice back. Come on, give me a break. Congressman, Congressman uh, King, your Homeland Security, you're on that, uh, you were the chairman. What, what say you? Yeah, well, as Governor Pataki said, first of all, it does raise the issue, is Joe Biden compromised? And to me, the real scandal here, it's bad enough with the Biden family, but as George said, with the media, this, this, if this were Trump, if this were Nixon, if this were uh, George, either of the George Bushes, this would be front page every day, the lead story every night in the National News. Now it just sounds like it's a fringe issue when this goes right to the guts of what the White House should be all about. Well, and you know what I think about, Steve Moore, as we have you, a great economist. Let's talk about the money. In the case of the Trump case, the whole Stormy Daniels, it's $130,000. It's an NDA business. We are talking about millions of dollars. Peter Schweitzer, who's covered the Hunter Biden stuff and the Biden family, he believes it's over $30 million plus dollars. We're talking the former mayor of Moscow's wife. Uh, we're talking about Chinese. We're talking about people who are not our friends. Uh, that's a big difference to the governor's point and to Peter King's point. And then you wonder, look, I'm not a lawyer, but I am an economist, and I know what Joe Biden has been doing in terms of genuflecting in front of the Chinese and what could be more damaging to us and more helpful to the Chinese than to shut down American energy supply. It's played right into the hands of China. Now, I'm not trying to say it's a quid pro quo, but there is an appearance of impropriety here for sure. Well, just what John was saying. I mean, John brings up the idea, and you said, Rico, you even talked about treason. If policy was changed while he's throwing American energy under the bus and then helping Chinese energy companies, Ukrainian energy companies, I mean, all of these others at the expense of us. The one word you haven't all used yet, impeachment. Yeah. What do you think? mean crap. Yeah. What? I mean, it, it, it seems like it's all been show business, this impeachment crap. Yeah. Okay? I'm talking about no more show business, no more of that stuff. This is serious stuff. Our country's at stake. All Absolutely. I'm saying, John, John, all I'm saying is they tried to impeach Trump twice. Have you, for, seen, for have you seen the Democrats move? No, they haven't lost a vote. That's a great point. But that, not that a speaks single a lot vote about all of those as people. The Democrats have yeah. lost, okay? So it all becomes show business. But I think this is more, this is no more show business. This is serious stuff. Our country is at stake. Yeah, well, it follows the course of security also, John, in the country. I can't help but think we got an open border. Uh, we got the question of all the money. I mean, it fits with sort of the par for the course of the way this president, and every time he gets asked about national security, it's like, I don't know Hunter's business partners. <laughs> what open border? Governor Pataki? You know, you know, just uh, one reporter has been trying to ask him about, did nine family members get these payments? And he just walks away. Now, every single time he appears in public, every single reporter who has any integrity at all should be asking him, did nine members of your family, and not let him walk away. This is an absolute disgrace. As John points out, this is a risk to our country. It is very likely, in my view, a criminal act if they didn't do anything and got these millions simply because of the position of their father or brother. And this cries out for investigative journalism. I'm not going to hold my breath. Well, and that's really frustrating. I wonder, too, uh, members of the media, you're right, they should be pounding their fist because you know if the name was Trump, they would be going crazy right now. Judge? And I will bring up again, the FBI and the Justice Department should be doing their job, and they're not doing their job. Peter King? 
No, I agree. Again, uh, as you said before, you know, Merrick Garland, he had some kind of good reputation. He's lost that altogether. And the FBI, they are really, you know, they were always considered non-political. Now they're like an extension of, of uh, Joe Biden. It's no, really I, I don't think, I think it's the, some people that are, have been, the FBI people have been politicized in the Washington division. I think all the I'm other divisions. I'm talking about the top people. I'm talking, no, I'm yeah, the the top, top people. Yeah. I think there's been politicization in that department in Washington. Yep. I think the other uh, uh, FBI. Well, Comey, McCabe, that whole crowd. Yeah. Yep. You know, the rank yep. and file agents and the yeah, local agents. You know, the New York office, the, the uh, Philadelphia office, the Boston office. I'm sure that they are 99.9% good. Absolutely. They're great guys. But you know what you think about also, John, the hypocrisy. Think about also Merrick Garland when they were protesting and threatening Brett Kavanaugh. The guy shows up an assassin. He says nothing. Uh, and then, yeah, yeah but, when it's but the Christopher Democrats. Ray, I, I don't know the man. I never met him. But he should stand up and say, right. guys, enough is enough. There's something wrong here. And they want to fire him. Say, make my day. Fire me. But I'm going to speak the truth. Absolutely. Have integrity. That is the bottom line. Governor Pataki, your thoughts. It is so frustrating. I'll tell you, this is beyond frustrating. It, it makes me very angry because, as John said earlier, this is about our country. This isn't about politics. You know, we got to get Biden. This is about doing what is right for the United States at a time of great tension and risk around the world. And I'm just stunned, first of all, that the Biden family would have been apparently this corrupt that nine members got this funding and that the fact that it isn't screaming front page news everywhere. And I just hope that there are journalists of integrity, well, even if they're on the left, who are going to stand you know, up and say, this is not right. This is then, you know what the next thing is governor. Uh, and there, there's something wrong. If the corporate companies, the board of directors of the corporate companies that own these news uh, outlets have ordered them. If somebody, if one of the bosses has ordered them to do certain things, then the board of directors and the CEOs have to be accountable. They should step up and say, why are you not covering this? This is a, this is a disgrace. And, you know, without a press that gives the American people the chance to understand what's happening, we don't have a democracy. And right now we have the media so lopsided ideologically. They don't report the news. They report what they think is going to help Biden and the left uh, be able to govern. And we don't have a democracy unless there's people of integrity on the left who stand up and say we need to investigate this. Uh, Judge Weinberg? I think I hate to use the, the word, but I think this smacks of a major cover up. And the historians will say that this was all covered up and the media was part of this. And we're going to talk some more. We have things to talk about with Steve Moore. There's so many things. There's so many things to talk about with uh, the Governor Pataki being here, Steve Moore, and uh, Congressman King. Uh, it is just mind-boggling that nobody has the courage in Washington to say, I don't care about my job. I care about America first. Let's take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have some more ideas here. A common sense recap of the day's biggest stories. It's John Katz and and Rita Cosby. Katz and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Katz and Cosby. Everybody has seen the headlines. Oh, my goodness. Out of Chicago and elsewhere. We've seen in New York, the police officer, the female officer was just hit on the head by a repeat offender with a bottle. And then in Chicago, they are literally pulling bus drivers 
off the bus and out of cars. Steve Moore, you're from Chicago. This is an outrage what we're seeing. And the new mayor elect has come out and said, oh, it's not constructive to criticize teens like they're having fun. Yeah, I just, in fact, I just saw the full tape of what happened this weekend, and it's an ongoing rioting in in Chicago. And frankly, Rita, I don't even know what they're rioting about. Do you? No. I mean, it's what? spring. It's, it's spring. spring. Spring break the, in Chicago. The, they're going to try to break as much right. as they can. And the, and here's the thing. <laughs> they, the they realize now, you're exactly right, John. They realize now they have a income. He's not mayor yet. He hasn't been sworn in. But uh, Brandon Johnson is going to allow these folks to just ransack this city. And you know what? It, what's so disgusting about it? The people who are being hurt the most by this are the minorities uh, who live in that city. The the you know Asian uh, store owners and and the people who are being shot. I mean, the people who are being murdered in Chicago are Black Americans. And this right, this right. governor is basically saying, "Listen, John, you're the economist on, here. You're the economist here." Yeah. Let me ask you what I've been yelling about. Who is getting poorer in America? The poor people. Joe Biden has said, I'm going to take care of the poor people and the middle class. The poor people and the middle class are getting poorer in America. And they took a trillion dollars from North America ever since they raised the price of oil. A trillion dollars in North America moved it over. Yeah. Moved it over to to Russia, China, and OPEC. Enough well. is enough. Yeah, and, and I want to make I want to mention one other thing, John. You you were famous for many things, but opening grocery stores. Basically, what the the mayor is saying, Rita and John, is. The the shoplifters aren't the problem. It's a societal problem. How could you mm. run a grocery store if people are walking in and taking out the everything and just walking out? I the- use my Rocky Calavito <laughs> bat. <laughs> I, I go out there with the Rocky Calavito bat. The good news, I've never hit anybody. You can't do that today. The, the bad news is Bragg would go after you and yeah. let That's those right. people who had broken right. in and were stealing oh, things Just go like free. the bodega guy, just like the Portland. <laughs> By the way, let's bring in, if we could, we've got Gary McCarthy who's let's joining us. Let's hear what us. he has to say. Yep. And joining us now is Gary McCarthy. He is the former NYPD deputy commissioner, also former director of Newark Police. He was also the chief of police there also in Chicago, by the way, and also he's now the chief of police in Willow Springs, Illinois, right outside Chicago. Uh, Got to get your take, by the way, Chief McCarthy. This is stunning what's happening there. Um, yeah, it's anarchy. I, I've changed. I used to call it lawlessness. But it, when I look at the definition of anarchy, it means disorder based upon the disregard of authority. Um, you know, this has gone be- this has gone beyond People not obeying the law. This is this is a social phenomena that is going to continue in Chicago, and it's being supported by a number of different components, most directly the elected officials now in Chicago. But I, I'm also going to throw the media into this because, you know, you watch the videos. You've seen them. I sh- I'm sure you have. They're going out nationwide. And um, the media is presenting that here in Chicago first as a large group of young people, right? And now they're presenting it as a teen takeover. That's what they're calling it, a teen takeover. You know, that sounds really cute. Maybe I'll go down there with my son next Saturday. I mean, they are so downplaying what's happening here that it's, it's really scary. It's like sitting on the Titanic. 
It really is. It, it is getting scary watching the videos on on television and these youth. Uh, they're doing whatever they want to do with zero fear of uh, of paying the penalty. Yeah, and you know what, John? I, I mean, I'm really troubled by the fact that the police, there's stories about how they're just driving past things. And and I'm trying to put myself in their shoes, and I, and I can almost understand it because it doesn't matter who you lock up. Kim Fox is going to cut them loose. But by the same token, I want you to think back to the riots in 2020. Uh, from George Floyd and the officers being attacked at the at the Columbus statue. Those officers are being disciplined for for defending themselves. It's it's the most unbelievable setup in Chicago. Um, You know, they're asking me who's going to be the next superintendent. And I'm saying I'm not sure who in their right mind would take the job because they're now set up for failure. They've put two more levels of oversight on the superintendent. So the superintendent coming in is not going to be able to fire people. That has to go to the police board. He's not in, he or she is not in charge of use of force investigations. That goes to an office called COPA. And now there's a civilian oversight board who can set policy and recommend firing the police superintendent to the mayor. Let me ask you a question. Let me ask one question. In in New York State, uh, if we had a uh, governor that had uh, uh, real testicles, uh, the governor, I think Governor Pataki once uh, either fired or replaced a uh, a district attorney for not doing their job. Uh, Is there anything like that in in Illinois? Yes, I believe there is. And as a matter of fact, that's going on right now in St. Louis County in Missouri. Um, my good friend, Bob Tracy, a former NYPD, who I brought out here to Chicago with me, who was my uh, chief of crime control strategies. I recreated the position that I had in the NYPD uh, for Bob Tracy. Bob did a fantastic job. He got us to those numbers that we talk about where we were setting records. Then he went to Wilmington, Delaware. We're in that department, just took over St. Louis probably about six weeks ago. And um, already there's a move by the attorney general in the state of Illinois, uh, um, Missouri to replace, I think her name is Gardner. Yeah, Kim, Kim Gardner. Gardner. Yep, Kim yeah, Gardner. To, yep. to replace her um, for basically malfeasance and not doing her job. You know, so and everybody. Uh, fantastic. Sorry, Chief. Yeah, everybody, we're talking to Gary McCarthy, uh, Chief of Police there in Willow Springs, Illinois, previous superintendent of the Chicago Police Department. You you hit it on the head, I think, uh, Chief, because you're talking about politics. What I am amazed with is, first of all, the current mayor, Lori Lightfoot, came out the other day. We've seen the images, especially of that crowd going after that couple. It's an unbelievable scene. And they're literally also in other places pulling out a bus driver and beating him pulling out drivers out of cars. Um, and yet Lori Lightfoot fire. says, Lori, yeah, exactly. And Lori Lightfoot says, what mayhem? And then we also have the mayor-elect Johnson, who came out, as you said, and he said it's not constructive to basically, you know, demonize teens. What does that say if you have at the top? And again, this is the future mayor. What does that say about the future of Chicago? He's not going after them, he, uh, to John's point. They feel so emboldened, these criminals, there's no repercussions. Well, Rita, I've been talking about that for years. This has been going on for years, not just here in in Chicago or in Illinois, 
but across the country. And I, I will tell you this. It's my opinion that after Brandon Johnson spends a few months in office, people are going to be screaming for Laurie to come back. That's how bad I expect it's going to be. Oh, my God. Yeah, can you imagine saying that she, that's a boy, what a barometer is that? And where's the governor of Illinois stand? He, he has been placating every group that he possibly can. He's quite obviously looking at a run for the White House, if not soon, um, in the future. Um, he has been giving away the shop to to the woke movement across uh, and he, Illinois. And he wants to give cancer to the rest of the country? It's apparent. Yeah, uh, isn't that? I, yeah, well, that's the track record. Uh, Chicago, by the way, to your point, John, look at the Democratic National Conventions going to be in Chicago. Oh, my God. They rewarded Chicago. Yeah, isn't that wild? Like, what is it going to be, duck? You know, I mean, how, how are you going to have a convention there? Who wants to go? When you hear bang, guck. Yeah, right. There's yeah. your convention. Yeah. Well, people ask me, you know, I, I'm in the media a lot out here because everybody wants to know what's going on. And I, and I tell them very simply, they say, what do you tell people who are going down, who want to go downtown? And my answer is real simple. Keep your head on a swivel. <laughs> I don't know what else to say because it's it's anarchy. It really is. Well, how sad. Uh, Chief, we are so grateful that you're here. Thank you for your great service there, of course, in Illinois and, of course, New York at the NYPD and also Newark. So many departments. Thank keep, you. Keep speaking out because uh, we got to come with some common sense somewhere. John, I appreciate that. And that's exactly what I'm trying to do. The funny part is Bill Bratton said to me, it's pretty obvious you're not just riding into the sunset. <laughs> uh, don't you dare ride and to I'm the fine. sunset. You can't. We need you. We'll catch up with you. with that. We'll Thanks catch up with you again real soon. That. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Wow. Well, you know, it's bad when he says Lori Lightfoot might be the saving grace. Uh, you know, uh, Judge, that's amazing. So, hard. you're watching the death of Chicago. Yeah, really sad. Where's the funeral music? Yeah, where is yeah. the funeral music for Chicago? You know what I wrote the night that, uh, the night that um, they announced Johnson the winner? I called it The Night Chicago Died. Remember that song? Yeah. Yeah. And we were playing funeral music the next day. Yeah. Okay. Let's no, look. Okay. I understand. We, we have a break coming up, and I understand you got some breaking news. Why don't you say it right now, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. All right. We got some big breaking news. A federal judge has denied Alvin Bragg. He wanted to block one of his former DAs from testifying before the Jim Jordan committee. This is bad news. This is the guy. Bad news for Bragg. Good news for justice. We may find out about the Trump investigation after all. Oh, my God. Let's go to uh, Lou Dobbs. How do the markets do today? You're commuting home with Katz and Cosby. Now, here's John Katz and Matidis and Rita Cosby on 77 WABC. Breaking news, WABC. Well, that was some breaking news, Rita, that you told us a few minutes ago that that DA in... Uh, uh, in, uh, uh, DA, Manhattan. Bra- in Man- well, Manhattan, yeah. DA uh, Alvin Bragg's office, uh, has to testify. Yeah, this I, is I a big blow. I, the truth is, I don't know what it means. Uh, Governor Pataki or Judge Weinberg, what do you think it means? I think that, uh, Pomerantz wrote a book. In the book, he pressed, uh, Bragg. And he's, to, of course, the DA who worked with DA Bragg. Was, yep. He was in the investigation. They decided not to prosecute Trump. Then he wrote the book, and Bragg changed his mind, and, uh, Bragg was trying to suppress that testimony. Now we'll find out what the conversations yeah, but were. Pomerantz, according to uh, uh, the governor here, uh, was uh, wanted to prosecute Trump. That's correct. So I don't think he's going to say anything bad about you, uh, about Bragg. 
I think what's important here is to get a timeline. Who said what, when? How come they changed their mind? Who, who put influence? That's right. The congressman's said, right. Yeah. That's exactly right. Any influence right. in the White House? Any influence in the Justice Department? Why did why did Bragg change his mind? Here's that's the a, biggest thing. That's the, exactly the, pieces, the question. The conversations. This, to me, I think is interesting, Congressman King. The conversations. What did he say to way, Alvin under, Bragg? I, I understand they were under oath, mm-hmm. and he cannot take the fifth. Yeah, so what does that mean? And that means is he has to tell the truth. That's right. But also, John, too, I'm also wondering conversations, too, because was he texting Bragg and saying, hey, well, let's get Trump or let's do this? And was he texting somebody in Garland's office? And, and, that's and fair was, game, and right? And what was Bragg's response? Well, that's my question. Is what that fair? In other words, if Bragg said there's nothing here, there's no there there. Now he's changed his mind. And it's fair game. And Governor Pataki has previously stated he's correct. Let's see what the tail of the emails. The tale of the emails could tell us a lot. And, and by the way, we have a new guest, another guest, a, a uh, possible future host on WABC, and I look forward to it. Uh, we have Melissa DeRosa. And today, I understand, I understand that you have some breaking news for us that, that you, uh, Tell us the breaking news. You have a new, uh, a new book, book? a new bombshell book, uh, maybe a tell all, right? I do, I do, and I I will talk about the book, but then I want to go back and talk about the conversation you guys were just having, because that was what was really interesting. <laughs> but yes, I, today my publisher announced that I'm coming out with a book in October that's called What's Left Unsaid, which is sort of says it all. It's you know the press reports a lot of things. Does People that mean you, does that mean you can't say anything till October? <laughs> it means I can't get into the details until October. But what I can say, John, is that. All right, you're hired October 1st. Not September 31st? Well, I'll come to you guys. That's why I was asking. I knew you'd know that. (laughs) But, you know, we all lived through, and and I don't even think we really have appreciation for what we all as a society, a country, a world, frankly, lived through during COVID. I think it was an incredibly traumatic period of time. For all of us, we lived through a once-in-a-century pandemic. I think that historians are going to study this period of time, you know, for generations to come. And I sort of appreciated while I was living through it what I was living through, the decisions that I was making, the conversations I was a part of. And so I, I, you know, took notes. I scrupulously sort of made sure that I was recounting everything properly. And then obviously what I never anticipated was 2021 and the downfall of the administration and sort of the hysteria that ensued after the pandemic or still we were in the middle of the pandemic, but while it was all going on. And so, you know, a lot of people have had a lot to say about me, about the former governor, about the administration, about COVID, about the choices we made and didn't made, about Trump, about de Blasio, about all these things. And there was a part of me that was like, you know what? I lived it. I lived it. I was in the room. I'm going to stop letting everyone else tell my story for me. I'm going to stop letting the press and others distort history. And I'm going to give a firsthand account of what all of that was for me and the people around me. And, you know, I will let anyone take shots at it and try to pull it apart. It's exactly as it happened. And I'm really excited that it's coming out in the fall. I understand that uh, uh, former Governor Cuomo had uh, he came out with some uh, kind of editorial today, uh, op-ed piece in the uh, uh, 
uh, in the Daily News. Uh, what did it say, Rita? Yeah, he basically talked about um, why there was sort of a flight out of New York for a lot of reasons, um, talking about how it never came back after, you know, after the pandemic, but also taxes, crime. Uh, the list goes on and on. Uh, I mean, there are so many problems with New York and everybody's moving out, Melissa. I mean, it, it is a disaster. Well, you know, I will let Governor Cuomo speak for himself. I did read that op-ed this morning, but I think that, you know, his overall point, I obviously agree with, and I think we all sort of agree with it. We're, we are at a moment in time where we have reached a tipping point and we can either all come together and try to solve these problems and deal with taxes, crime, affordability, all of these things, or we can continue to sort of pull apart and let the far, you know, extremes of the various parties, but in New York specifically, the far left thing of the Democratic Party, make it worse and bring us to a point of no return. And, you know, I think that I think that like minded, good sort of centrist people have to come together and have wisdom prevail so that New York can be New York again and that we can sort of solve the problems that we're facing. But right now, it doesn't feel great, to be honest. And by the way, Melissa, I mean, speaking of which, crime is skyrocketing. I'm just thinking of these two videos that everybody's talking about. Um, first is the New York police officer, the female, who's just standing there with other cops. She's in uniform and a repeat offender comes over and clocks her uh, with a glass bottle. I mean, that somebody no, feels emboldened. And then the guy in the elevator who gets clocked no, by a guy. I, I mean, how do we turn it around? You got a judge now. You got Rowan Wilson, who's now been, uh, you know, uh, basically uh, confirmed from the state Senate. And he's a lefty, the, too. Well, I want to know from Melissa, is the exodus going to stop is there anything can happen in Albany to stop the exodus? Or, you know, the Siena poll, what did it say? That one-third of all New Yorkers want to leave over the next five years. Exactly. We're not going to go to Chicago, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely not going to Chicago. That's off the list, Governor Pataki. That's off the list. But I tell you, I need, no. a, I need a blood pressure pill after listening to this. Forgive me. No, uh, Governor Pataki, I mean, you remember, you were there after 9-11. I feel like we're facing sort of that situation, but worse. And the question is, how do we all pull together and bring ourselves back from the brink? I mean, you you lived it the first time around. What do you think? Uh, to me, it's pretty simple. And, it, and it's, But I have to say it's galling to hear Governor Cuomo talking about we need tougher criminal justice laws and tax cuts. When he put the no-bail law in his budget so the legislature had no choice to change it, and he put in place temporary taxes that are still in place today. So we do need tax cuts. We do need to change the criminal justice system. Uh, and I just hope that there are those uh, with the courage to actually stand up and do it. Otherwise, we are going to lose. We're the, not, continue listen, to lose people. If we don't stop the exodus, uh, who do, all these people collecting these pensions, who's going to pay them? Well, one thing you that's... Know. Can I just say one quick thing on this? Yeah, go ahead. This is Stephen Moore, Moore, Um, our economist here. I could never understand the logic of this. And you and I talked about this when you were governor. This is the financial capital of the world. Oh, I'm right? not sure about it. It, it, was. Was. it was. It was. It was. Yeah, I think it's still Morgan, is, but it's hanging J.P. like a J.P. Morgan has more employees in Texas Does it? than they do in New York State. So my point is, why would a why would a place that is supposed to be the financial capital of the world have the highest taxes on financial capital. I mean, that would be like Texas putting, you know, a special tax on uh, cows or, you know, Idaho people having a special tax on potatoes. I, you I, don't protect the industry here you know, that is so critical. 
You know, look, the, the reality is that we have been number two in income taxes since Governor Mario Cuomo and Governor Pataki were governor. That is a fact. It's been California and then New York. Yeah. And so the reality is it's always been that way. The situation well, now well, that Melissa, this is George Pataki. Forgive me for interrupting, but that's not true. When I was over my 12 years, we cut taxes by a total of $147 billion, and our tax rate was lower than most of the states, particularly in the Northeast. Uh, and then after I left uh, is when they went back up to where they were under the prior Governor Cuomo. Well, I, I will be happy to be wrong on that, but I will go back and double-check. But my point is that the personal income taxes in New York have always been sky high as compared to Florida and Texas and much of the South. The difference was that pre-COVID, People had to be in New York. We were the center of the universe. We were Broadway. We were fashion. We were Wall Street. We were all of these things. And the problem that we now face and we have to come to terms with is that in a post-COVID economy, when you do not have to be in the most expensive city in the country, sans maybe San Francisco, and everyone all of a sudden has choices, you're going to go to both where there's no income taxes, low income taxes, and good weather. Why wouldn't you? And, you don't have to be here anymore. And you have crime. I mean, uh, to Governor Pataki's point, I mean, look at the uh, the climate Listen, that we're I living in, forgive, too. You know? I could forgive a lot of things. But if they keep the crime going in New York, forget about it. The exodus will not stop. Well, look, and this is another point, and I think you have to be fair and you have to play bull. You've got to, like, give it straight, Right. When you look at the top 20 cities in the country where crime is a problem, New York is not on that list. But we're but scared. Uh, Melissa, is, we're scared. No, People it's, it's, are exactly, scared. That's what I was going to say, Rita. The problem is because of our density and because of, frankly, the real estate problem where you have all of these empty storefronts, All of these streets in New York where you used to feel safe because it was bustling and people were there and you were excited and there was commerce. It's bustling. It's It's bustling. But only Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. (laughs) Not even, John. I'm not sure about Tuesday. I don't like to to walk home from restaurants at 930 at night. I live on the Upper East Side. And, And I never felt that way 15 years ago. And so there, there's a lot of complex issues here. And we need real leaders to take them on. And my fear is we don't have them right now. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you uh, for, for coming on, Melissa. We love you. But uh, we felt safer when Governor Pataki was governor. Yeah, we sure did. <laughs> uh, thank you so all much right, for guys. coming on. And we'll talk again real soon. And uh, that's all we want. We want New Yorkers to be safe. God bless. Congrats uh, on the book, by you. the way, too. Congrats on the book. And uh, let's take a break, and we're going to come back. We're going to have some more discussions amongst ourselves and and see where the heck we're going. It's a common-sense recap of the big stories. It's Cats and Cosby on 77 WABC. And welcome back to Cats and Cosby, a bombshell inspector general report basically saying that it was a dismal withdrawal by the Biden administration. Very different than the White House's take. Uh, Peter King, you're still with us, of course, the Homeland Security Committee. What's your reaction to this? I think as bad as the Afghan withdrawal was, I think the fact that the White House tried to cover it up, that guy, the IG, is out with his report. The fact is this was a disgrace. It's one thing to make a terrible mistake like they did but it was almost preconceived and planned as a practical matter. And now to try to cover it up and blame it on Donald Trump, to me, was disgraceful. Absolutely disgraceful. Well, joining us now, we have a former intel officer, Colonel Tony Schaefer, Lieutenant Colonel. Also, he's president of the London Center for Policy Research. Uh, Tony, what is your reaction? Um, today, one of the most stunning things that I heard, Tony, 
was basically the inspector general, again, nonpartisan, so it's refreshing to hear the facts like Peter King was just saying, basically said that all the money we are sending to Afghanistan, and it's millions upon millions of dollars, is going right to the Taliban. Uh, what's your reaction? This is, I mean, outrageous taxpayer money. So, Rita, yeah, it, 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 it's correct. They, they are, they know this, and they're doing it anyway. Everything from the withdrawal to the point now, and the report also talks about the humanitarian, self-created humanitarian crisis, to Peter's point, uh, they did not follow the Trump plan. The Trump plan was conditions-based. We were never going to give up Bagram. So the, the very fact that we had to evacuate people was created by the manner in which Biden chose to leave Afghanistan without considering the plan. And now that, uh, that, that we have some of the refugees back, we still have folks on the ground that we left behind, to include Americans. And most, I think, egregious, to your point, Rita, is that now we're paying the very folks who uh, have, have troubled and, and terrorized Americans. And now they, 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 we are literally paying the Taliban to turn Afghanistan into the, 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 the Disneyland for terrorists because now they have other groups flying in to train on our gear. So every aspect of this is bad and it's going to get worse. You know, and Governor Pataki, you know, it is just so shameful. The Biden administration in their report, as Peter King was talking about, they were basically blaming the Trump administration and also took zero accountability. We did basically everything right. I couldn't believe hearing John Kirby, the spokesperson at the White House, saying all I think about are the people running after the plane. Remember that flight, the uh, like hanging for their life, begging to get out of Afghanistan. Anybody who saw the videos knows that the Biden administration's withdrawal was a catastrophe uh, and a dismal failure, as the IG said. And this administration, the Biden administration, just has no conscience. They're prepared to say anything to keep their polls up, to try to get reelected, to try to have political power. What the American people need is truth. And we're never going to get it from this administration, sadly, which is why I feel very strongly we need a change. You know, what are your thoughts, Peter King, too, as we're hearing this report that Lieutenant Colonel Tony Schaefer is so eloquently talking about here and passionately? Um, where do we go from here? I mean, I keep thinking about... All the allies we left behind, there's still Americans that are still there. First of all, Tony Schaefer knows more about this than anyone. He is a true expert and a true patriot and a, a true hero. I we, agree. Have, we have to keep the pressure on, especially Americans there, not only Americans, but people who worked with us. People are now left behind at the mercy of the Taliban. This is an absolute disgrace, and it's bad enough that people are going to be killed and tortured. What signal does that send to other operatives around the world who are relying on the United States to stand with them when things get tough? You know, Tony Schaefer react to that, too, because that is what a message. No, look, the congressman is correct. Peter is so, you know, he's been in these hearings where he hears about the, terrific, the horrible stories of people that we've let down. Rita, you know, as an intelligence officer, my job is to figure out a way to get the best possible information to make good policy. And when we have politicians like the, the likes of Joe Biden destroying our credibility makes our job an order of magnitude more dangerous and more difficult, and people just don't want to cooperate. This damages us as a nation on every level, and we, as, as, as Governor Pataki just said, we need a change before the single point of failure known as Joe Biden ends uh, the republic as we know it. Judge Weinberg, you And what them? kind of coverage are we going to get on this issue? Is that going to be hidden once again on this report? Well, it's up to Republicans to get that message out and not get clouded in side issues. Focus on the issue itself. No, listen, I think the American people want the facts. The absolute facts, not any crap. Absolutely. John, John, you're absolutely right, but they're not getting the facts. They're not getting because li- now, what we talked about before. Let's yeah, say exactly. it again. The, the, all these large corporations 
that own the news departments? Should we hold the board of directors responsible? Shall we hold the CEOs responsible for not having their their uh, reporters tell the truth? Absolutely. It's their obligation. You don't have a democracy if you don't have the free exchange of ideas and information. We don't have that given the way that our media operates we're, now. We're going downhill real fast. I uh, have never seen the media so divided uh, before. I mean, it divided. is. Divided. They that's, just don't yeah. tell the well, truth. But that's, my, that's the point. I go and I'm so like, protective. I'm like, what are they? Yeah, so protective. Covering for an administration. Covering are you kidding me? If it was Trump right now, they would have been screaming to high heaven. It is outrageous. The double standard, Steve Moore. Yeah, I want to put it in a broader context. This was a disaster, not just for what happened in Afghanistan. It is a disaster for America's national security. I said it on your show many, many months ago. I do not believe that Putin would have ever gone into uh, uh, Ukraine in the first place if if it had not been for the fact that Putin saw we had a weakling president who wouldn't stand up for the security. And and so the my point is, Tony, the implications of what happened are not just about you Afghanistan. Know, they're about our whole you country. You can hate Trump all you want. There's so many people that do hate Trump. But the one thing that Trump did, feared him. He, he had world respect and he terrorized the terrorists. Yeah, they were worried what he was going to do, John. You're right. They said, you know, you saw it with Kim Jong-un. You saw it with Putin. You saw it with a number of these characters. When, when he threatened Putin and said, well, if you do X, Y, Z, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. Putin says, oh, crap, he's crazy enough to do it. <laughs> you know, one of my favorite lines with Trump, John, was when he said that he talked to the leader of the Taliban and said, um, uh, why are you, you know, you're showing me a picture of your house. Uh, in other words, uh, if you don't uh, play safe with us, we know where you live. And they were worried that he was crazy enough to do something. Don't you think, Tony, real quick, your thoughts? You dare not show weakness in the situation. And that's why they, that's why Putin went in to the, the, the point the, the, the moment Biden said, oh, if he just takes a little bit, that's fine. The more you show weakness, the more you will provoke a strong response from, from the dictators. And yes, we, we need to stand up for what we need and desire, which is true security. We will never have it under Biden. Well, Tony Schaefer, we love well, you. We appreciate you, your Tony insight. Schaefer. Thank you for telling the truth. You, and guys, what do we all stand for? Truth, truth justice, justice, and in every way. way. Reporting here from the Daily Planet building. We'll talk to you later. Thank you so much. Pray for New York. Pray for Chicago.